How many of you, you like to, you like change? How many of you are, are change people? You, you like change? Okay, not too many people out there. How many of you like to redecorate? How many of you like fresh coat of paint? My, my wife and my daughter, Lily, better start clapping right now because we're constantly painting our house with something. Um, today, what I want to talk about, we're, we're in the book of Proverbs and we're looking at how to live our life with wisdom. And one of the things I love about the book of Proverbs, it shows us the heart of God and how he desires us to live our lives. And one of the things that God cares about more than anything else is your character. And when we come to God through Christ Jesus, what he does is he changes our name. He changes us. There, there's a change that occurs in our life, and we understand that all things become new. And that's the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, that no matter what our past might look like, no matter what regrets we may have in our past, through Christ Jesus and what he's done for us, God no longer holds that against us. Somebody say amen. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? And we're going to look at why God cares about our character. We're going to see how closely our character is attached to our name and how God desires to give us a new name. And what we're studying is this Old Testament book, Proverbs. And within the Old Testament, we see these wisdom books. Uh, these, And it, it can be categorized as Hebrew poetry. That was the one class in college, Hebrew poetry that just about killed me. That was a tough, tough class. And uh, just learning about poetry, not my forte, but um, it was a good class. And, and within the Old Testament are these Hebrew poetry books. They include Job, they include Psalms, they include Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. And within these books, we see the wisdom of God. And what, what we've been learning about the book of Proverbs is a proverb is, is a short saying that expresses truth for practical, godly living. Now, we all know at times that we have made bad choices in our lives. We all know at times we look back over our lives and we say, man, that wasn't a good choice. And there can be a lot of regret with that. And so we want to look at how can we live our lives without looking back over our lives and having all these kind of regrets. And this is what I love about the book of Proverbs because it allows us to live our lives in the wisdom of God. He cares about the big things in your life. He cares about the small things. And it's more than just listening uh, to God's word. It's actually living out God's word in your life. He just doesn't want us to be participants or spectators. He wants us to dive fully in and immerse ourselves in the word of God. I love the book of James. James was uh, the brother of Jesus. And James writes under the inspiration of the Holy Holy Spirit in James chapter 1, 22 and 25. He says this about listening to God's word, because if we don't listen to God's word and do what it says, we're not going to apply the wisdom of God in our lives to change the things that need to change in our lives. And listen to what James says. Listen to how he encourages us. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and then after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets about what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have learned, by doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Do you realize that God wants your life to be hashtag blessed? 
right? It's just not a hashtag. He truly wants your life to be blessed. When we follow the wisdom of God, when we are obedient to God's word, you will live a blessed life. Obedience to God's word brings blessings. How many of you want to be blessed? I want to be blessed, right? We always say, God bless you. Do we mean it? Do we really mean it? I want to be blessed. So, so the promise here, this is the promise of following Christ. We will be blessed in what we do. In fact, the Greek word blessed is pretty interesting. It's makarios. That's the, the Greek word, which means happy. It means those that are blessed by God are actually happy. And in fact, this Greek word, it means to be beyond happy. It actually means to be supremely blessed. The literal translation means to be blessed out of your socks. God wants to heap so much goodness and so much blessing on your life, more than we would ever experience by trying to seek those things in the world. The reason why we're never completely satisfied is we're trying to find our blessings in the wrong thing. Come on, church. Right? We, we look, and listen, that doesn't mean like going on a trip, you're not happy, but how many of you, you got to come home. Right? And then you're like, oh, I'm back home, right? It's because we're trying to find our happiness in things that can never give you the satisfaction that you're ultimately looking for. Jesus says, I want to give you happiness more than anything you can find in this world. I love what Kevin Stone says here. He says, when God uses blessings or to be blessed, What he does is he actually extends his benefits to us. He enlarges his mercy to us. He lengthens his charity in our direction. Through Christ Jesus, God wants you to be blessed. Does that mean our lives are going to be perfect? No, right? But what it does mean is that we can find a happiness even in the difficult things and the difficult circumstances in this world because we know we are with Christ. And God has changed our life. It's over. It's beyond. It's more than what we could hope for. Jesus shows us that it's more than just material things. Material things are temporal. So Jesus tells us that blessed is the one who does this. Here's the blessed person. Here is the happy person. It's not the person with the most toys. It's not the person with the most money. That's not truly the blessed person. The blessed person is the one who's poor in spirit. The blessed person is the one who's merciful. The blessed person is the one who's pure in heart. The one who is a peacemaker. I want you to notice in all these things, God cares about your heart. He cares about your character. He cares about the way you live your life. It's not about things. So the book of Proverbs shows us how we can be happy and actually live this blessed life. So a blessed life allows God to shape their character. A blessed life is a person that says, God, now you shape my character. You show me what you care about. So God cares about our character, how we live our lives, more than how brilliant we think we are or how successful we might think we are. So I want to dig in today this importance of character and how the Proverbs, how the proverb writer connects our character with our name. And so I want to look at Proverbs 22.1 today. And what we'll see is that our character is actually directly linked to our name. So let's see what it says here in Proverbs 22.1. It says, a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. So what is this proverb telling us about a good name? Does it simply mean choosing the right 
name. Now, none of us in here chose our name. Our parents chose our name for us. And our, our son, our middle son, uh, middle child, Wesley, uh, we took a couple days to, uh, to figure out what we wanted to name poor Wesley. And uh, he was born in South Carolina. Finally, the hospital came to us and said, if you're not going to make up your minds, we're going to just name him Bubba because we're in South Carolina. It makes sense. It makes sense. And uh, I like that name, Bubba. I do. I like that name. So, but we finally named him Wesley. But, but you wouldn't name your child, right? You wouldn't want to name your child Jezebel. Or, or Judas, right? I mean, that, that would, why, why wouldn't we want to name, sometimes, you know, your kids may act evil, right? But we don't want to name our, our kids that. Why? These names are associated with bad or evil character. So the meaning of the word name in Hebrew precisely means that. It means your character or your, repu- or your reputation, and so in the Hebrew word for name, it's the word Shem, which means standing or reputation. It's the word Shem in the Hebrew. That means standing or reputation. This person has a good standing within the community, which means they have a good name or they have a good reputation. Your name and your reputation are linked together, the proverb tells us, closely linked together. Now, in Israel's history, a person's name was linked to their reputation and their ultimate standing within their community. So what Proverbs 21.1 is emphasized is the fact that we are to continue to cultivate a good reputation. God cares about your character. A good name is something that we should strive for. It's more important than riches, the proverb tells us. So at what cost do we sacrifice our character? I like the way the New Living Translation states Proverbs 22. It says, choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. So here's the thing. What are we striving for? Are we striving for that character that is blessed by God? That we care about how we present ourselves to the community, in our daily living, in our daily uh, dealings. The proverb tells us that our name is more than just a name. It's actually who we are. Our name is more than just a name. It's really who we are. Who are we? Church, let me speak to you, church. For those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, where's your identity? Is your identity in what you do? your job, or how successful your kids are? Where's your identity? See, for those that are in Christ Jesus, our identity now is in Christ. He gives us a new name. He gives us a new character. He changes everything. How do we represent Christ in the world that we live in? God cares about that. Listen, we all know, listen, when you meet someone or you see someone, what's the thing that you remember most about that person? You remember their behavior. The things that you remember the most about an incident or a situation is how someone reacted to a difficult circumstance or situation. See, that's all part of our character. You remember their behavior. Did they act in a way that was mature and glorified God? Or were they just kind of being a jerk, right? We, we see that. We see that. And what, what gets embedded in our mind is how they reacted. 
what their character was like in that particular situation. People will always remember your behavior. They will remember how you react to a certain situation. You see, a good name is far greater than any riches, anything we could occur in our life. So have you ever looked up the meaning of your name? Have you ever looked up the meaning of your name and, and, and what your name uh, means? Let, let me give you a few, because I just looked up a few names here that some of you might be named this and that are here today. Um, so let me, let me just throw out a couple here. Our, our daughter, Lily, her middle name is Anna, and it means favor or grace. Favor or grace. Joanna means God is gracious. The word Lois means best or superior. Well, there you go. The word Ruth means loud, bad driver. <laughs> now, for those of you that are new, Ruth, I'm picking Ruth is our, our eldest matriarch of our church, and we pick on Ruth all the time. Thanks, Ruth, for letting me pick on you. You didn't hear the second part. It also means, it means crazy driver, but that's, okay, that's just, no, okay. Ooh, all right. Well, it's true. I'm sorry, but it is true. Um, Here's a couple more. Here's a couple more. Alexander means defender of man. Asher means happy and blessed. Daniel means God is my judge. So look up what your name means. I know what my name, Bard, means. It's, it's Old English for barley. It's Old English for barley. It means one who resides on a barley farm. <laughs> right? I'm named after a grain. Not God is my judge. Man of Barley Field. I'm a junior. My dad's name is Barden, and I think my dad says, if I had to suffer, you're going to have to suffer too. But uh, I like my name. It's unique. People always ask me three or four times, huh? What's in, huh? So, listen, we don't choose our name. We don't choose our name to us. So we can choose, though, we can choose how we represent our name. We do have a choice there. We do have a choice in how we rep- re- represent our name. And that's the point. That's the point of Proverbs. Um, Warren Buffett, one of the world's wealthiest investors, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, he's the CEO of Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, he said two things that really caused me to pause. Two things that really caused me to pause. He said, it takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. If you think about that, you'll do things differently. If you do that, you'll think about things differently. He said, he also said, chains of habits are too light to be felt until they're too heavy to be broken. See, we have a choice of how we represent our name. And I tell this to couples all the time that have issues in their relationship, in their marital relationship, about trust. How many know it, it, it takes time to build trust? And when that trust is broken, it's like going up a ladder, Right? And you trust and trust, and all of a sudden you think, we got trust here, and all of a sudden that trust is broken, you go all the way to the bottom of that ladder. The hardest thing in many relationships is to build trust again when you don't trust that other person. It's like that with our reputation and who we are and our character. Can we change? Can we change? If we've done things in the past that hurt us, does our past define our future? Because we can look back with a lot of regrets and choices we made. Here's the hope that we have in the gospel. 
The hope that we have in the gospel is that Christ came to make things new. Jesus actually came to give you a new name. Is it too late to change our reputation? And I would say absolutely not. Have you ever ran into somebody that you knew in high school or college before you became a follower of Jesus? Has that ever happened? And they knew who you were, and they knew the, the party person that you were, right? And all of a sudden you say, well, and you're, you want to tell them, I'm not, I'm not that person anymore. I've changed. My life has changed. Oh, no way. You're still that same person, right? No, my, my life has changed. I'm not that person anymore. See, Jesus, he can change our future. So how do, how do we live a life that truly honors God? You see, it's interesting when Jesus chose his disciples, he changed their names. It's interesting. Simon is now Peter. James and John, he called the sons of thunder. Sound like wrestlers or something, pro wrestlers, right? Sons of thunder. Now, we have no idea why Jesus called them sons of thunder. They, you know, whatever, but it's pretty cool. If I'm be one of those, yeah, call me sons of thunder. See, what's interesting about Peter is when he was acting like his old self, impetuous, foot in the mouth, Jesus would call him Simon. Not Peter, the rock, but Simon, you knucklehead, right? He, he, he would call him by his old name. Now, now, I don't know if you guys grew up in this kind of household and you got in trouble with mama, right? Your mom got mad at you. I remember when my mom was mad at me, it wasn't Barden. It was Barden. Anthony, Jerace, and if she threw the junior in there, I was in big trouble. How many had mom like that? When she called out the full name, you were like, "Uh uh-oh, it's going down. It's going down, right? So when I play golf and I hit a bad shot, I don't use any explicitives. I just say my full name. Barton Anthony Jerace Jr., what were you thinking? So do that. Get away from the cussing and just use your full name. That's a lot better. Save yourself a lot of grief. So listen, it's important. What, what is it about our name? What is it about what's going on here? Well, what Jesus is saying is he's giving them a name for a reason. He's changing their name for a reason. Because in Christ, we all have a new name. In Christ, we're given a fresh start. See, in ancient times, you would be, uh, if something dramatic went on in your life, uh, your name would be changed through this significant event. And we see that today many times. We see that with celebrities. They will reinvent themselves by changing their names. Let, let, me, let me throw a couple out here and see if you know who changed their name. Does anyone know who Mark Sinclair is? Celebrity name. Anyone? Vin Diesel. You're like, who the heck's Vin Diesel? Well, just has a lot of these movies, these, you know, high testosterone movies that he's put out. Vin Diesel. What about this one? Let me throw out the, maybe some of you know this one. Marion Robert Morrison. Oh, come on, Ruth. Ruth, that's your favorite actor, John Wayne. Ruth's just staring at me. Huh, Pastor? What are you talking about? That's your favorite actor. Robert Mor- uh, Marion Robert Morris is now, he changed his name to John Wayne. Probably a good idea. Okay, so James Dean. This is James Dean. It was already a cool name. Didn't need to change it. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, what about this one? Michael Sylvester Gardanzio. Yeah, Sylvester Stallone. You know I was going to stick that one in there, right? I love all the Rocky movies. Watched it again yesterday. Just can't get enough of it. Rocky 1, 
Don't even argue with me. The best one ever out of the whole 15 Rocky movies that were created, Rocky one is the best. So what happens to us when Christ changes our name? When we become a follower of Christ? Well, what he does is he changes our name and he changes our character. The two are linked together. We become this new person. It's a fresh start where God does not hold our past over us. I love what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. I love this. Listen to what it says. And I hope this gives you hope today for those of you that may feel buried by your past or buried by past regrets or feeling like you've made too many mistakes in your life. Listen to what it says. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. God has changed your name. The old life is gone. The new life has what? Begun. This blessed life in Christ has now begun. Now, do we, can we still live the, of the consequences with the choices we've made? Absolutely. But God no longer holds that over our heads in Christ Jesus. We become this new person. He changes us and gives us a new spirit. God wants us to live our lives in Christ, in this new life. In Christ, we now represent him. Jesus changes everything. He gives us a new heart, a new outlook on life. Let me, before we take communion today, let, let me just drill down on this, because this is so important for us to understand. Because the Lord wants you to live in that new character, in that new life, and, and to pursue it with your whole heart. So we just get ready to take communion because I think com- taking communion is, is so fitting for this message today on how God wants you to live your life now and how he changes you and how he covers you. I love what the prophet Isaiah says. He speaks to those who in many ways have turned their back on God, have chased after the wrong things. And if you if you study the Old Testament, you see Israel is up, down. They, one moment they're serving God, the next thing they're not, and they've backslid and, and, and God would raise up these prophets to speak to the heart of Israel, to bring them back to his side. And God wasn't out for their demise. God wanted them to draw them back to his heart. He said, listen, I, I've taken you out of slavery, out of Egypt. I've taken you out of there. And he goes, what, I, what I'm doing is I'm gathering you like a mother hen would gather her chicks under her wings. I'm taking you out to the desert because you once lived in bondage under the Egyptians, but now you're living in freedom under me. And I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to give you a new character. And I want you to live with me. But what happened in their lives, in the history of Israel that we we study in the Old Testament, is that they began to, to search for those things that weren't God. They began to look at the nations around them and desire those things that tripped them up, that caused them to sin again and go away from the heart of God. And God, through the prophet Isaiah, is calling them back to his heart. Listen, let me just say this. You can search this whole world and try to find what is ideal. You will never find it. You will never ultimately find it. It will ultimately leave you empty Jesus has come to satisfy the very thing you've been looking for all your life. The only one to truly change your heart and your soul is Christ Jesus. The only one to truly cover your sin is Christ Jesus. That's why he came. And I love what the prophet Isaiah says here. He speaks of a Messiah. He speaks of Jesus who would come and create a new people who the Holy Spirit would change. 
For those that would come humbly before God, God would change their future and give them a new name. I love this verse. I love how God speaks through the prophet Isaiah. Listen to the hope that is found in these words in Isaiah 61, verse 3. He says this to those that are mourning and feel lost and who have made bad choices and who have fallen away from God and have done their own thing. He says, to all who mourn, I will give a crown of beauty for ashes. You may think your life is a train wreck. You may think your life's a pile of ashes. But I want to give you a crown of beauty for ashes. A joyous blessing instead of mourning. Some of you here today and you just, you're down. You've been mourning. God says, I want to change that in your heart. I want to give you joy. I want to give you festive praise instead of despair. Listen, do we all go through hard times? Are there times we feel down? Absolutely. But Christ is right there with us telling us, listen, this may be a season in your life, but I want you to know this isn't a final thing. This isn't a final thing. Death has been swallowed up because of my resurrection. There's no more sting of death anymore for those who put their hope in me. I want you to peer into the empty tomb and realize that I am no longer there, that I am alive. And for those who put their hope in me, even though you die, you will live. Festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks. And the Lord has planted for his own glory. See, Jesus' desire, his desire for us is to live like that new creation with a hope and a new future. I want you to remember this. Just remember this. You have a choice every single day to make. We can allow our circumstances to dictate how we live, or we can live like someone who is different, who Christ has changed. And even though your circumstances may not be the greatest, that can never take the hope away that you have in Christ Jesus. And he can still bless your life and give you happiness beyond what you ever thought you could gain from the things in this world. So the question is this, how do you represent Christ? How do your actions and your speech show that you are a follower of Christ that has hope and joy of a changed life? God cares about your name. Your identity is not in your past. It's in your future. It's in Christ Jesus. Where are you trying to gain your identity today? If you find it in Christ, you'll be blessed. You'll find true happiness beyond what you could ever comprehend. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden and burdened. And Jesus says, I will give you rest for your soul. Amen. As we come to the Lord today and as we as we take communion today and as we just finish in song today of just expressing who Christ is and what he's done in our life, I want you to take out your communion cup and uh, the top foil will take out the, the wafer and we can all do that together. And then the next uh, foil there will unveil the juice and uh, we're going to take communion Listen, as we take communion today, I want to remind you 
When Jesus participated with the disciples of that last meal before he was going to go to the cross, Jesus says, whenever you do this, he didn't say how often you do it. He says, but whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Jesus never wanted us to forget the price he paid for you and I on that cross. And what Jesus did, he was perfect in every way. He himself was God who went to the cross for you and I and bore our sins and all our suffering for you and I. He did that so we could have a right relationship with God and that our sin could be covered through his perfect life and the sacrifice that he made. There had to be a penalty paid for our sin and we're all sinners here. Amen? All agree? We're all sinners and we need a Savior. Jesus is our Savior. And when you come to him by faith and you recognize that he is your Savior, he comes into your life and that's when he changes everything. So when we take communion, we're recognizing that Jesus, you're my Savior. I believe that your blood has covered my sin. And I celebrate that today in my life. And so I just want you to realize today as we take communion, let him cover your life. Let him cover your past. Let him cover your sin. And he will no longer hold it against you. Somebody else may, but the only person that truly matters is Jesus. That's it. It's the only one that matters. Because he's the one who holds the keys to life and death. That's it. And when you come to Christ, he gives you life and life everlasting. So as we take communion today, let's remember what Jesus did for us. Let him cover you anew and afresh today. He's such a perfect savior and he loves you today. He gave everything to reach you today. If you've never come to that saving knowledge of Jesus, there's no secret formula. Just come as you are. Just come as you are and just say, Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you all my crud, all my stuff, and I need you to cover me. He'll change your life. Changed my life at age 16, and I've never been the same. He's good. Doesn't mean your life is always going to be good, but Jesus is perfect and good, and he'll never leave us or forsake us. So, Father God, as we take communion today, we thank you for what these emblems symbolize. Your body that was given to us You suffered on our behalf that we wouldn't have to suffer. So we come to you by faith and we recognize, Jesus, that you're our Savior and we need you. So thank you for being the bread of life and satisfying our deepest hungers that we never have to look in this world again to ever try to satisfy us again. Thank you for satisfying our deepest needs. Let's partake of the bread together. Thank you, Lord. as we hold this cup in our hands, we're reminded of Jesus, your precious blood that was given to us. Your word says that without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of our trespasses or our sins. So we thank you, Jesus, that you were perfect, that you you had no sin in your life, so you could be a perfect sacrifice. You bore our penalty upon your shoulders, and for that we're grateful. So cover us anew and afresh today. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. And as we partake of this cup today, we're reminded of your perfect sacrifice for us. And we believe that you're the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes unto the Father except through you. 
So thank you for covering us today. In your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's partake of the cup together. Amen. 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 If you're able, would you stand with me today? We're just going to close in song. Can we thank the Lord today for his word? He's such a good savior. Amen. Amen.